All right, so we have been at Proverbs, and uh, this Life Hack series has been pretty sweet, man. I've uh, really, really enjoyed it for our church. It's been very practical and helpful uh, just in our words and our sex and a lot of different things that the Proverbs has given us biblical wisdom on. And last week specifically, we looked at some biblical wisdom principles when it comes to our finances. We talked about how Solomon taught us that to stay out of debt, to save, to budget, these, these principles that we saw that God wants us to live in financial freedom so that we can live sent for the mission of God instead of living spent on materialism or whatever, right? Bills and everything else. And so we saw that. And so again, if you, and, and I'll reiterate this probably a couple of times, if you want help in that, we have people that want to help you in that, help you make a budget, help you look at your stuff you got going on and, and be an assistant to you uh, to, to begin walking in that financial freedom. Uh, but uh, I saw many of you post about making a budget, and, and I'm super proud of you for that. Like, you know, some of you making a budget for the very first time, which is awesome. Probably very eye-opening for some of you. You know, how much do I spend on clothes? Like, you know, it's very eye-opening to a lot uh, of you. But maybe some of you went home and completely ignored that message, which I don't blame you in some regards. When it comes to money and church and pastors and preachers, uh, it's, it's kind of a muddy situation, right? Maybe you've watched anything on TV, TBN, and you've heard from some PhD uh, preacher, Pentecostal hairdo preacher, um, about how if you would sow a seed of faith or if you would give a little more money that God will give back to you in return, like this this, this sow a seed of faith, this, uh, you know, uh, basically you give a little, God will give you a lot. And they, they've, they've turned God into like the Powerball with lesser odds. Like you, you give 10 bucks and God will give you millions maybe. And then God, you give 10 bucks and he doesn't give you millions and you're like, this didn't work. God doesn't love me. And they, they, you, you begin to equate your amount of giving or faith these, these preachers do with your salvation and, you, you know, and, and start kind of lining those things up. And so obviously that's convoluted and, and messed up. Uh, or maybe you've you know, seen those spiritual infomercials where they say, hey, you buy this prayer shawl and pray with it and God will answer your prayers. Or if you buy this holy water, God, God will heal you, which is, which is bogus, right? These things are just uh, gimmicks of evil uh, individuals. Or maybe you've been in a church where, you know, they passed the plate and then saw there wasn't enough, so they passed it again and again, and they kept pipe up that song again until we get enough, you know, and uh, just as I am, you know, um, you're welcome. Hmm. So maybe you've got baggage when it comes to money and church and pastors, and you, you are still like compartmentalizing your money from your relationship with your God, you're with God. You say, man, I'll come to church, I'll serve, I'll do these things. But God's not getting in my money. God's not getting into this area of my life. Uh, you know, I think what I want you to understand today is, yes, you may have been burned by preaching or you may be holding on to your money. But what I want you to see from the scriptures is that there is a biblical way to handle your money. 
there's biblical wisdom in doing your money God's way. And should you do it God's way would lead to a life that is more blessed by God. And we'll talk about what that means. Uh, to, to continue to live by unwise, uh, uh, not being generous people, you will live as foolish people. You, you will live lives that say, we trust you, God, in everything but our money. How silly is that? Our money is one of the primary ways in which we establish worship unto God. It's one of the most tangible ways that we can give an offering unto God and we withhold it. You'll come in here and sing songs. That costs you nothing. When it comes down to money, we say, well, we're going to do this our way. And so I think I want us to, I want us to see today that there are biblical principles here that will lead to our joy, that will lead to life, that when we give, we will have more of Jesus. And, and, and here, I want you to hear that the goal here is not for me to get rich. I'm not trying to buy a jet here. You know, when it comes to money and your money in particular, I don't see any of your money. You know, it comes up, just so you know that I'm not a, I'm a preacher up here trying to, you know, f- fatten my wallet. I don't see it. I don't touch it. It goes out to someone. It goes, they, they go take care of it. I, I never touch it. You come and ask me for the church's money. I can't even give you the church's money. I got to have 14 signatures for you to have some money. Right? So, I, I mean, I'm out of it. Right? So this is not about me fattening my wallet. This is about you having life in Christ. This is about you being obedient to God's commands over you. This is about uh, you loving Jesus and uh, getting to the end of your life and Jesus saying over you, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what this is about. And that's what I hope you hear the heart is in this. I want, I, I want, I want to be a pastor of a very generous church, a church that honors Christ in all things, but especially with our money. Now, we're going to see Solomon. He, he's going to give us a verse here, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. And we're going to see, uh, i got three Ps for you, three P points. Uh, you have the principle, the promise, and the, pro- uh, the principle, the process, and the promise. Okay? And you're going to see this in the, in the text. Let's read this, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce, then... Your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. Amen. <clears throat> Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. So the principle here, the principle here is that we are to honor the Lord with our wealth. The, the word honor here in Hebrew, it's, it's translated as to treat the Lord as weighty. You know, with our money, our money can oftentimes go to building up value, importance, prestige uh, for people. We see that especially in our culture with very affluent people. We see that they'll leverage their money for more fame, more power, more importance, more clout. Or, or you know, you, you can't be a politician in our country without being filthy rich. So we, we use money in essence, to build up our own prestige, our own 
kingdoms, our own self-importance oftentimes. And it's not just uh, super uh, rich people. We do it too. He said ours is probably a little more minor scale. We use our money to, to, to build our importance in that. We want to keep up with what's going on around us. We got to have that new phone, have that new car, have that kind of uh, house or whatever. And we, we begin to use our money to build our own self-importance, our own kingdoms through the things that we that we buy, right? And, and, and so uh, when we're using our, our money, uh, the more we use our money for self-importance, I think the sillier we look. You know, uh, you think about, you think about um, in Europe, there's all kinds of castles in Europe. How many families who actually built those castles are still living in them? Here are these amazing structures built to honor and be self-important with the families, and they're no longer with those families. When we use our money for self-importance, um, it, it, it's really unsustainable. You can build your own kingdom, but at what cost? Your soul? And so our money is to be used not for our own self-importance. The, 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 the wise way to use our wealth is to put all of it to the honor of the Lord, to building up the value, the importance, the prestige, and the honor of Jesus. So all our wealth, all our money is to be spent building the fame and the purposes of Jesus. That's why he's given it to us. That's what we're supposed to spend on. And, and the beautiful thing is when we do that, when we spend our money to the, to the value, importance, and, and honor of God, we become more relevant. We are kingdom-minded. We're impacting the kingdom with, with our money. We, we, are, we are being used of God to impact eternity. We're not just living for the now and the today, but we're living for a kingdom beyond this kingdom. We're storing up treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy. So we're, 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 we're living with greater importance and relevance than we are when we live for our own kingdoms. Now, there's also a Hebrew verb for the opposite of honoring, and it means uh, to make light of or to regard as trifling and frivolous. So when God looks at your finances, is he honored or is he made light of? And that's the question we have to ask ourselves. We want to worship Jesus in all things. Right? We want, when we come in here, we want our songs to be great worship to him. And, and so we, we want to honor him with our songs. We don't want it to, be, to make light of him. We want to honor him. We want we, how we raise our and lead our families. We want our families to love Jesus. We want to honor Jesus in our families. We don't want to make light of Jesus in our families. And it's the same thing with our money. Is God honored with your money? Or is he made uh, light of with your money? Does he carry that first place of honor? in your monthly budget? Uh, does he, does anything in our financial priorities carry more weight than God? Anything. Your mortgage, your electric bill, your kids, your hobbies. What carries more weight in your finances than God? I think that's... Uh, you know, and that's what we need to begin kind of identifying in our life when, when we're dealing with this. You know, the desire of every believer should be to honor the Lord with their, with their giving because he deserves it and because he has given to us so much. You know, we sing songs. We want to be like you, Jesus. We say, we, we pray. We want to be like you, Jesus. Well, you know what Jesus wasn't? Stangy. 
He was generous. He gave. God gave his son. Jesus gave his own life. So do you really want to be like Jesus? Do you want to be generous as he is generous? Do you want to walk as he walked? This, these are, the, these are the, the, the principles of giving that we gotta, we got to understand that giving uh, is, a, is a privilege. It's a responsibility for those who've been given eternal life. We say, this world has no hold on me, not in anything. And I give unto the Lord uh, because he's given so abundantly to us. So that's the principle, the process I want to talk through. Because the next slide on the verse uh, explains, I think, how we truly honor the Lord from our wealth. It says, with the first fruits of your produce. Uh, the first fruits were the best, uh, the best of the harvest, right? Uh, uh, Exodus 23, 19 says, the best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. So essentially, how do we honor the Lord with our wealth? We bring him the first fruits of our wealth. Now, what the farmer would do, obviously, obviously Solomon is, is speaking to an agrarian society, but what the farmer would do, and this is a beautiful thing on trusting the Lord, what he would do is he would plant his field or whatever, and whatever came up first, Whatever that first like harvest was, that's what he would give unto the Lord. So he would take that harvest, and you know what would be in his field? Nothing. Nothing. And he would say, I'm giving you the first harvest, and I'm trusting you, God, that even though I've given you this first harvest, you will take care of me. A farmer can't make stuff grow. God makes it grow. And so here's this farmer giving his whole first crop to the Lord and saying, I've got nothing but trust in you, God, to bring forth and take care of me and my family. This was the first fruits. The first fruits, obviously, you're not raising sheep or planting fields. Our first fruits, we get a paycheck. Are you giving your first fruits of your paycheck to the Lord, we believe here in the tithe. The, the baseline obedience on the Lord is 10% on our gross income. Um, you know, so first fruits are the, the, the first things of our money that, that, that goes on the Lord. Now, we begin asking our, 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 ask the question, our first fruits go to what's most important to us. So do your first fruits go on the Lord? Like, I got convicted about this not long ago because... Um, I forget what I was doing, like, because our family does the, um, the EFT or the reoccurring thing or whatever, for my check in particular, uh, but I was getting it taken out. So I get paid twice a month. It's like the 1st and the 15th or so, so I forget. Uh, but it was about mid, I was getting, I was taking our tithe out at, at the middle of the month, but I could begin to get convicted of that. I was like, hey, am I giving that first? I don't think I'm giving that first. All right, I'm going to back it up to be the first of the month, just you know, make sure I'm giving him the first fruits of, uh, of what we're getting. I want to give him my best. I want to give him the best that, I, that he has given to me, right? Uh, so th I think there's a question you ask. What are your first fruits going to? What's, what's most important to you? Uh, you know, I, I think in this too, like we have to understand that uh, we can dishonor the, the Lord not only by not giving to him, but we can dishonor the Lord by not being intentional in how we give to him. 
Uh, this is worship. And I know many of you do the online stuff, so it's, it, it, it may be out of sight, out of mind for some of you. But we're giving in obedience and in worship unto God. Now, uh, it, you know, a lot of times people treat giving unto God like tipping at a restaurant. You go to a restaurant, what do you do? You, you get to the restaurant, you eat. The, you don't go to the restaurant thinking, I can't wait to give a tip. At least I don't. I don't know. Maybe some of you are far more generous than me. But I get the bill. I'm like, oh, all right, let's think. Double the tax. You, they, now they give you the, the numbers, which is convenient. It's like, here, here's how much you need to give me, you know. And so, but I don't go into the restaurant thinking, I can't wait to tip. This is going to be great. No, that's not my intention. My intention is to eat a meal, to hang out with my family, to enjoy whatever. It's the same thing on our giving. If, if we're flippantly giving God the leftovers, how is he honored by that? Remember, he's not after your five bucks. He's after your heart. So you giving with intentionality from the first fruits of what he has given you is how you begin to honor the Lord with your wealth. He's, he's not the, the, the last priority. You kind of say, all right, we've got this much to, to tip God with. No, this is priority for us. This is going to be dealt with with intentionality. Uh, matter of fact, Malachi goes as far to say that withholding from God the tithe is the equivalent of robbing him. Look at this. Malachi 3, 7 through 10, it says this, From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I think God challenges us, his people, to, to, tithe, to test him. And the tithe is a, a, a test of faith. I think you, you, know, you giving 10% should be a, a step of faith for you. It should be, um, it, 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 it hurts enough for us, it should hurt enough for us financially that it forces us to trust God to provide, but it shouldn't hurt enough that, uh, you know, that it should distress God's people, right? You should have managed and steward your money in such a way that, uh, yes, of course, 10% is 10%. You know, you, it's gonna, it should hurt, but it shouldn't crush uh, you know, I think it's important here, too, just to mention Malachi talks about, and all through the scripture talks about bringing that tithe into the storehouse. That 10% tithe was meant to be uh, brought into the house of the Lord, the equivalent of the established church today. You can give to a lot of different things, but the being obedient, th this isn't even getting into generosity. The tithe is the obedience unto the Lord. You bring that into the storehouse of the church. Now, what that means for you is a couple of things. Because I know already some of you are kicking and saying, nope, I ain't doing it. Because you're a control freak. The reality is when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're saying, it's yours to deal with. I trust you. I trust the spiritual authorities that you have put me under. Listen, if you can't trust the spiritual authority that you find yourself under, go find you one you can trust. God has put you in a spiritual authority to trust and, and, and to say, my hands are off. I don't decide where this goes. You do. 
You decide where it goes. Now, uh, so now beyond that, that's the tithe, that's the 10%, that's, that's the obedience. Beyond that generosity, if you say, hey, I want to give down here to this family that's struggling or, or this, uh, the, the homeless couple, this homeless couple that I've gotten to meet or I want to give to Samaritan's Purse or I want to, great, go for it. Encourage that. Or giving tree. I want to give, you know, you know obviously that's not the tithe. I want to be generous to a child in need in our community. Great. Praise God. I want to give the one-day offering uh, to help our international campuses take the gospel. Great. Praise be to God. Those are your stepping forward and being a, a generous person. That's the beginning of it, though, the first fruits, that's what you bring into the storehouse. That's what you give unto the Lord. And then for those who... Uh, need some New Testament backing up of Jesus upholding the tithe. You have Matthew 23, 23, where he says, woe to you, which is very strong wording anyway, Jesus speaking, woe to you, judgment to you, warning to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So Jesus here, he's condemning the Pharisees for their commitment to one part of the law, uh, the tithe, and neglecting the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Then he states, these you ought to have done without neglecting the others. The, the Greek word there, ought, is, is very strong word in its translation. It it's, it's indicates basically a necessity. Like you could translate it, you must do these things and you must not neglect those things. It's not one or the other. And so you see Jesus teaching his disciples to uphold the tithe. Um, you, you know, and... Again, we, we tithe in obedience, and then we give sacrificially above that. I love what David says in 2 Samuel 24, 24. He says, um, when he's bringing an offering to the Lord, he says, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that costs me nothing. I will not bring burnt offerings to the Lord my God that costs me nothing. You know, we should be giving sacrificially, worshipfully, in such a way that it pinches our lifestyle. We should be able to look at our finances and say, we could live like this. But because we love Jesus, because we want to be generous people, we're going to live like this. And we're going to give. We're going to give to the mission. Lord. We're going to be used by him in, in, in his kingdom. We're going to cheerfully and generously give to his work. You know, we should give sacrificially. At all times, we should be giving sacrificially. We should be supporting missionaries. We, we, we should be, get, you know, if God gives you a, a, a gift, if you get a Christmas bonus or something, you need to begin praying, God, what do you want me to do with this? Let me tithe on it, obviously, but do you want me to do something else? You want me to be generous to a family in this season? You want me to, how do you want me to use this? Maybe God will say, I want you to give it all. We should be asking God, what do you want us to do with this money you've given us? What do you want us to do? Now, um, there's an example of a church in, in Thailand. There's a, in, in Chiang Rai, there's 400 members of a church in Thailand. And every one of their members tithes. Every one of them. Now, here's the thing. that they, On average, they make the equivalent, the U.S. equivalent of 20 cents a week. 20 cents a week. Plus their rice. They get rice. And every one of them tithe. 
Now, here's what they've been able to do as a church. 400-member church tithing off of 20 cents a week. Here's what they've been able to do. They've been able to support their pastor. They, they, they fully support their pastor. They have sent out two families to be missionaries in hard-to-reach areas of Thailand. Uh, they are ministering to the poor all around them. Now, one other thing about this church that you need to know is that it's a church and every member in the church has leprosy. Here's a church that is sacrificially giving for the kingdom of God. They want to be used of God in this kingdom off of 20 cents a week. This is the, it's not about how much you give, it's about God have your heart, man. Does he have your heart? Now, I want to read to you the promise in this too. Proverbs 3.10, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Hear me very clearly. This is not the prosperity gospel. He does not mean give money to God and he'll make you rich. If that were the message, the Lord would not be honored. He would be used. Jesus is not trying to appease your greed here. It's not what he's doing. What he means is that when you give for the sake and the honor of God, God is going to give you more for you to give for the sake and the honor of God. It's the parable of the talents. The one who did and honored the Lord with and used them and doubled his talents, he blessed. And the one who hid his talent and kept it to himself, he took what he had away from him and gave it to the one who had more. He blesses so that you can continue to be a blessing. There's a quote by Matthew Henry, an old Puritan preacher, scholar. He says this, God will bless you with an increase of that which is for use, not for show, for giving away, not for hoarding. Those who do good with what they have shall have more to do more good with. Those who do good with what they have shall have more to do more good with. He, he wants to bless you. He wants to fill your barns. He wants to fill your vats with wine. Why? So you know, what I have seen to be experientially true are those that are generous people, God continues to pour out on their lives. Why? Because they're a conduit for blessing of everyone around them. They're not stingy and hoarding their dollars to themselves. They're being used of God, and God continues to lavish more on them. You know why they give? They don't give to get more. They give to give more. God blesses them to be a blessing. This is how the kingdom of God works, right? He, he has saved us to send us. He blesses us to, to be a blessing. Right? The kingdom reality is... You're either giving or you're taking. <laughs> now, obviously, you know, you're a member of this church or you're a regular attender of, of, this, of this church. Uh, you know, you, you, you are coming, you're partaking in worship. You're, you know, your kids are being watched. Are you a giver or are you a taker? Are you a part of the mission of God in Rutherford County and to the ends of the nation? Are you advancing the kingdom of God or are you a part of that mission? Like just receiving. 
I'll take this. I'll, you know, I'll take this. Are, are you a part of it? Are you like linking arms with all of us? This is what church is. We collaboratively come together and we say we're going to join all of our resources together, whether it be money, our time, our gifts, our talents, and we're going to say we're going to use these to, for the kingdom of God, for the name of Christ, to make him famous and prestigious in our world. Are you giving or taking? Are you with your gifts, are you giving or taking? With your time, are you giving or taking? With your money, are you giving or taking? I want us to be a generous people. You, you know, I, I know obviously we can hear messages like this. Hopefully you're not too beat down. Um, but maybe you'll hear messages like this and you'll have good intentions, right? A lot of us have good intentions. Uh, oh, yeah, I'll plan to do that. I'll start doing that. But really it doesn't materialize. It's like I heard the story this week of a farmer who... Um, you know, he, he came in excited, telling his wife, hey, our best calf has just born two twin calves. Our best cow has just born two twin calves, a red one and a white one. Here's what I think God wants us to do. We wanna, I think God wants us to devote one to him, and, and we'll raise it up and then, and then give it unto God. And the wife, uh, as typically the logical one in the relationships, says, all right, well, which one? My husband says, well, we don't need to decide that now. We'll wait till later, right? And we'll decide which one's later. We'll raise them both up, and we'll give one of them unto God. It wasn't a couple months later. The man comes in distraught, and the wife says, hey, hey, what's wrong? I got bad news. Oh, yeah? What is it? The Lord's calf died. <laughs> and the wife says, I thought we hadn't decided which one was the Lord's calf. And he said, no, I decided a long time ago. It was the one that died. You know, a lot of times we can have good intentions when it comes to giving, but life happens, and what will happen for us is that the Lord's calf will always be the one that dies. We'll put other priorities in front of it. We'll do other things. But instead of making this an intentional worship decision, we'll kind of back burner the thing and not really treat it with the importance that it should be, in, that it should be treated so if, you, if, you're not, uh, if you aren't intentional about giving God the first fruits and giving sacrificially, it'll always be God's calf that dies for you. And how much God wants to bless his children, how much he wants you to walk in faith, how much he wants you to trust him with what he's already given you to begin with. Uh, you, you know, I want to... Uh, give you a story here and close with a story. It's kind of long, so just bear with me. But um, it's um, uh, there's a story of a lady in our church. She goes to the, uh, of a couple, a married couple that go to our church, a family. They go to the Stewart Street campus, and this is their testimony about tithing. It says this: Our journey at the Crete began in January of 2017 when we started attending regularly, following an invite from a friend, right in the middle of a series called God, Love, and Sex. Thought, wow, this should be interesting. Every single Sunday, my husband and I both felt the Lord pulling us in, and we both experienced salvation and surrendered our life to Christ. We soon found ourselves craving more of Jesus and more of his word. We started reading the Bible at home together. Every sermon for what seemed like months seemed to speak in the different areas of our life. Everything that was preached about whether it was idols or baptism or tithing or serving, etc., we wanted to honor God with those things in our life and be all in for Jesus. But we weren't tithing yet. It was still just sort of sitting there on our list of things we needed to fix. 
with, uh, to fix was still a lack of complete understanding about it. Literally, we had such a misguided view of tithing that we would throw a $5 bill in the offering plate every few Sundays and feel pretty good about it. We were struggling paycheck to paycheck. We were drowning in debt. We had no plans in place of how to pay it off. We were sp spending what seemed like all of our money on debt, groceries, bills, and minimum payments. Over the summer of 2017, we decided to become members at the Creed, which started with a new member class. And we were unknowingly blessed by being paired with, a, with Russell and Paula Region. When the subject came up about tithing, we admitted that we hadn't been doing it. And they shared their story about tithing and how they too had feared tithing and viewed it as loss and not gain. And once they stopped fighting and began trusting God, uh, that he had never once failed them to provide and, uh, and has even given them more. We sat there in complete doubt and looked at him like he was crazy. I'm pretty sure I even asked how it was possible to give away 10% of your income but come out with more at the end. How can we lose something and then gain something? And he said to me, test him. We left that meeting that day babbling on in the car about how we just couldn't afford it looking at our pages and pages of bills in our notebook and asking how in the world things would just work out for us if we started tithing. Where would the money come from? We teeter-totter back and forth between the questions of is 10% before or after taxes with intentions of trying to give the least possible to fit our budget. I wanted to contribute and be a part of that, and it seemed like every time we opened the Bible at home, we felt God yelling at us, just do it. I, I, I bought, so I bought a, a bill book and wrote Malachi 3, 10 through 12 on the first page of my book, and as a reminder of, of God's promises, and God said it himself, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, and if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing until there is no more need. It felt wrong almost to test the Lord, but it felt even more wrong not to trust the promises of the creator of the entire universe. That's good right there. The month of October 2017, we committed to tithing. When we got paid, we gave the church the first 10% of our paycheck before taxes. And we questioned several times why we were doing this. We thought things like, this isn't as much as a car payment, but it just felt right. And we kept reminding ourselves that we give to him because he first gave to us. And we decided to keep doing it. God gave us life and gave his son to save us and all of our sins. So how could we withhold from him? During that time, we continued to make ends meet. And about a month into tithing, we received a phone call from the VA. Joey, the husband, is a disabled vet and has been discharged from the military for health reasons. We got a set amount of money per month for that disability rating, which was income we counted highly on. We had become accustomed to living around that income, paying our mortgage, our kids' child care needs based on these funds. And this phone call was to inform us that he had to come in for a reassessment of his health issues, which would likely result in either a decrease or no char change to his benefits. We thought that if the benefits were decreased, we were most certainly going to lose our house or have to move somewhere even less desirable. And if we lose income, he won't, uh, uh, he won't get the medical care he needs either. And worse, we wouldn't be able to continue to tithe. Our minds raced as we prayed. We gave it up to God. In a nutshell, 
We got to Clarksville that day to have a reassessment, and he went in to see the doctor. I sat in the waiting room looking like a ghost. And about 15 minutes later, he came out with a smile on his face and walked out to me in the hall and said, I think our pay is going to increase. Increase? We both stood in awe, praising God of what we just heard. We left there that day literally thanking God and thinking to myself, not only are we going to be able to keep our house, but we're going to be able to keep tithing. And I felt so much joy about that. We expected our next disability check to be 80% rating rather than the 70 we were getting, which was a slight bump in pay. But God showed up big, and it was a 90% rating, which was a huge jump in pay for us. And it covered more than the 10% we chose to give up in our decision to tithe. We kept tithing. And told ourselves we would never stop, no matter what, from that point forward. We tested him, and he came through in such an unexpected way. But we were still in a lot of debt. We were paying for having to replace a broken AC unit, our youngest daughter's birth, still paying off credit cards. And so many times the thought of, well, if we just took the tithe amount and started applying it to credit cards, we'll have it paid off much quicker, and we could start tithing again. But we quickly knew that was not from the Lord. Those thoughts were from the enemy. Anytime one of us had those thoughts, we reminded each other of the reason that we were tithing in the first place, that it was only God that got us to this point so far in the first place. We made a pact to always keep each other focused on the Bible and God. We never stopped tithing. So the end of October rolls around, and we get another call from the VA, and I think, oh, no, maybe they made a mistake. Maybe they're taking the money back again. Here we go again. This time they explained that for the past three years, they had been making a mistake with our monthly payments that we were receiving and that we should have been getting more. Um, okay, great. This is good news. After several phone calls back and forth with the VA, it was determined that some guy behind the scenes in the finance department noticed that something just looked weird about our account uh, and, and found that Joey should have been receiving a lot more money. The final call was to let us know that we were being paid three increments of money that would total $30,470. Wow, God. We realized in that moment that God had planned, had this plan for us all along. And over the next few days, the money started rolling in. First, on November 7th, we got $3,470. And we tithe $347. November 10th, we got $15,000. And we tithe $1,500. On November 16th, we got $12,000. And we tithe $1,200. We paid off all our debt, paid off our daughter's birth, paid off our credit cards, took a vacation with our kids for the first time to Disney. It was our first vacation in seven years of marriage because we couldn't even afford a wedding or a honeymoon. We used the rest of the money to go above and beyond the tithe and help the family that was struggling with infertility. We gave to some ministries that were important to our heart. And a few months later, we decided to put our house up for sale and move closer to our church family to get the kids in the school where their church friends go. We've not missed a tithe since we first started tithing. And God always shows up in a huge way. He always shows up. Now, we don't try to live above our means. We never look at not tithing as an option. That, that comes out first no matter what. So we've, we've cut cable in exchange for Netflix. We traded in our car for a lower payment and lower car insurance. We will never make a money decision that jeopardizes the tithe. 
even if God never gave us another unexpected gift again, we would not stop tithing because we know and understand that we would have nothing without him. And we are forever thankful to be saved, which is a greater possession than anything on this earth. Let's pray together. Father, we need you in this. We need you to uh, remove the enemy from our minds and our hearts to where we live lives that just don't trust you in this area. Even now, I know there's hearts out there that are squirming. They don't know how you can make it happen. The math doesn't make sense to them. I pray, God, that you would bring faith and a trust to their heart. You are the God who provides. You do love your children. You clothe the birds of the air. You feed them. You clothe them. You, you, you raise up flowers in great splendor. How will we not have our needs taken care of? How much more do you love us than the bird or the flower? God, help us to trust you. Help us to live out lives that puts you first. Very intentionally puts you first. God, I pray for freedom. You know, you, you are, you've called us to give, not because you need, but you've called us to give so that we might walk in life and joy and peace. The stingy have no peace. Those who aren't generous don't walk like Jesus. Help us to be like you. Help us to live like you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.